so nice to be with you this morning, and uh, just glad to have that opportunity to be here with you in Jackson. Um, well, my being a connections and care pastor is kind of my moonlighting uh, job, and um, only Mike laughed about that, so he understands that. Um, during the day, I am a robotic welder operator, and I run... Uh, robotic welder, which, Gary, if we can look at that slide that has that, got to take off my glasses, got to have my standard uh, protective glasses, okay, got to get those ready, and uh, that yellow bad boy over there uh, runs at a very fast pace, so I got to put on my protective glasses, and I got to do it after I, do, or before I put on my muffs there. Got my muffs on, got my muffs going, and, uh, uh, oh, here's my other glove. Got to put on a fresh pair of gloves for the day because um, that robotic welder is putting parts together at 3,500 degrees Fahrenheit. And so when I pull them off, they are smoking hot. And so <clears throat> the thing about a robotic welder is that you put on the two pieces, and then the welder runs, and then you pull it off, you set it down, you put on two new pieces, hit the button, robot runs. What my supervisor wants is he doesn't want the robot to stop, which means we're moving, all right? Well, you're moving, you're putting it on, you're taking it off, you're putting it on, you're taking it off, you're putting it on, you're taking it off. And all of a sudden, ouch! And you realize, oh, man, I got a hole in my glove. It was moving so fast, I didn't notice that thing, and this thing is smoking hot, and it got me. Ouch, that happens all the time. <laughs> so uh, one of the things that I, uh, that I have to be careful of as a robotic operator like that is to watch for holes. And you'll notice that the holy glove over here, I don't know if you can see it real well because of the, the lights, but that's a, that's a glove that's got lots and lots of holes in it. And it's kind of a picture of what we're talking about now with our, our new uh, series on Christmas. It's talking about holes in our protection that come about. And one of those holes that I'd like to encourage you with is peace, the loss of peace. This is a busy holiday season. We're rushing. We're hearing the messages that are coming from our culture about finding the perfect gift, finding the perfect gift. Are you kidding me? The perfect gift for everybody? What is a perfect gift anyway? Have you thought about that? I've thought about that. I'm like, I don't know that there's a perfect gift. And not to be trite, but maybe the truly perfect gift, Jesus Christ himself. That would be the perfect gift. Anyway, we're rushing. The tinsel, the lights, the music, the long lines, all those things can just rob us of peace. Also, the... Uh, Tennessee, or the maybe this is the first year that you've lost a loved one. And so Christmas is going to be difficult that way. Or maybe your marriage um, was broken. And this is the first year where you'll be alone. Or maybe there's a broken relationship with someone and a strained relationship, and you're looking at coming to a Christmas gathering of family and the tension of that is just, like, palpable. 
the absence of peace. Well, I think I, what I'd like to start with and make you aware of is that we're going to look at six passages of Scripture in about 30 minutes, so we're going to move really fast. So I'd encourage you to take your Bible and just hang with me. We're going to go really fast, but of all those passages, there's just one, one that I would say is the priority overall, and that's the one we're going to look at right now. But let me set it up by saying this. When Jesus was in his darkest hour, when Jesus was in his darkest hour, he was facing the Roman authorities. They were calling for his death. The Jewish religious leaders were clamoring for his death. Peter writes about that particular time. And Jesus really gives us a, a secret for how to have peace in the midst of very difficult, a very difficult situation. So if you turn with me, this is going to be on page 840 in your Bibles that are under your desk, or under your seats, I should say. And we're looking at 1 Peter 2, chapter 2, and we want to go to verse 21. Verse 21 sets it up. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you leaving you an example, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Now, Christ committed no sin, says verse 22. There's no untruth or half-truth or lies that come from his mouth. He will always tell you the absolute truth. And yet when they were hurling insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, here it is, underline it. This is what we will apply all through the rest of this message. He entrusted himself to him. He entrusted himself to God. Who judges He entrusted himself to him who judges justly. So what are we talking about here? What's going on? It's like that image that we have from Scripture of the vine and the branch and being linked in the branch. We're talking about abiding. Jesus, in the midst of his most difficult situation, is abiding. He's saying, I trust you. I entrust myself to you. I see the circumstances. I don't want the circumstances. I want you. I want to be engaged with you. And I'd like to practice that right now. I'd like to ask you if you just close your eyes. And I want to ask you to think about what is that one primary worry or care that's robbing you of peace? I want you to think about it right now. And then I want you to say this. Jesus... I entrust myself to you. Go ahead. Jesus, I entrust myself to you. Let's say it again. Jesus, I entrust myself to you. Because if you notice in the passage, Jesus kept entrusting himself to God. Kept entrusting himself to God. Over and over and over again. And so I've practiced this myself. And in the midst of when it's coming and it's overwhelming and all the circumstances and situation. Jesus, I 
entrust myself to you. Jesus, I trust you. I love you. I know that you will care for me and walk me through these situations. I trust you. And he had peace. In the face of them telling him that he would be killed, in the face of his trial, he had peace in the midst of those types of circumstances. Now, there might be some of you here who are like, um, I'm not sure I understand what you're talking about. You're, you seem to be talking about having a relationship with God that's like this. I don't have that, or I, I'm not familiar with that. And so I, what I would say to you is it's, it's kind of like this. This is my heart. When I was born, I had a heart that was dark and and I'm sorry to say I had it because of my great ancestor, Adam, who sinned, and he passed on that gift to me generation after generation after generation. And so my heart is dark. And what that means is I have no idea about God, no connection with him, no relationship with him whatsoever. And with this darkened heart, what happens so often is it causes me moves me to say things I shouldn't say, do things I shouldn't do, to steal, to lust, to gossip. And what happens is that darkened heart then comes out here. I might be able to smile, but the things that are coming out of my mouth, the, my facial features are so often influenced by what's going on in my heart. In fact, it was this heart that, changed, that chased Jesus to the cross. And because of what was going on in my heart and your heart, he went to the cross and he shed his blood. And what he offers us as a free gift is to say, you know what, I can help you with that heart. And we can say to him, you know, no, I'll do it myself. I'll get some scouring powder and I'm going to get this clean and I'm going to work on it and I'm going to make it. And I can't. I can't change my heart. I can't change myself can't open my eyes some way uh, magically and connect with God. It's impossible. And so I have to come back and I have to say, okay, Jesus, I guess it's you alone. I guess it's you alone. And it's your blood alone that will take and make my heart clean and cause me to have a relationship with God that I never dreamed about. What a beautiful thing. What a beautiful thing. And it's in this relationship, the cleansing, that only Jesus' blood can take care of. Only his intervention for us. That we get to have that restored relationship with God. And we get to walk with him. That's peace. That's peace with God. And those, that peace is like gloves. It's like these gloves. Just as they're to protect my hand, his peace guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. It's peace. Now, the text that we want to look at today talks about different ways of having that peace. I'd like to look at three big ideas. How can we have this peace at Christmas that guards our hearts, that guards our minds, that is like gloves grabbing a hot piece of metal. And so there's three big ideas we'll look at. And we'll start, Gary, with that first slide. 
and in your Bibles, we're going to look at Luke chapter 2. Now, Luke chapter 2 was made famous by Linus, telling Charlie Brown about the first 14 verses. That's not what we're reading today. We're looking at the next section, okay, going on to Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 21. And so it says, On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, circumcise Jesus, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. Next slide, Gary. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now we'll skip down to verse 39. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. When they had done everything required by the law. What Luke is showing us here is that these are devout people. These are people who understood God's word and who obeyed God's word. They obeyed it in the sense that on the eighth day, Jesus had to be circumcised. Eighth day, that's what they did. They waited for the time of purification. Mary had 33 days, according to the law, to wait to recover from her pregnancy, her birth. Then they went to the temple. They were supposed to offer a lamb for Jesus. But Mary and Joseph were so poor that they could take the second opportunity or what it stated in the law, and so they offered two pigeons because that's what they could afford as poor people. So they fulfilled the law. They did everything according to the law. And so my challenge to you is the same thing, is if we obey God's word, we will have peace. But to obey God's word, we have to know God's word. And to know God's word, we have to do one of the hardest things, and that is get up in the morning. That's the hardest thing. Getting up that extra little bit of time before going to work or going to school and having that time in the morning with the Lord Jesus. The hard part about that, and I I empathize with you who have small children. I had four. Well, by the time we got them put to bed and we had all the, Dad, I need a drink, when we dealt with all that and when they were finally asleep I just wanted peace I just wanted to relax I wanted to get a movie off of Netflix I wanted to watch a football game I wanted to stay up late just to have that fun the hard part was I couldn't get up in the morning then to my my Bible learning what God's word says It's tough. It's tough. But I want to propose to you to make that choice for the sake of peace. Because if you don't know God's word, how will you obey God's word? If you don't obey God's word, you don't know God's word, peace is elusive. Know God's word. Obey God's word. Get up in the morning to have that little time reading the scriptures and maybe even memorizing some. One of the things that uh, George Verwer said 
is I, I can't memorize, or I do memorize scripture, but you know what it's like? It's like taking a basket and going into the ocean and picking up water and then walking onto the beach. You go a few paces and the water's all gone. It leaks away. But he said, at least the basket's clean. And I took such courage from that or such encouragement from that because I was like, yes, I memorize a passage and then I can't remember it next week. But I want to work at it. I want to keep working at that passage of Scripture. And hopefully it will help me make my heart clean, help me have peace. Okay, first big idea, obey the Word of God. Second big idea, Gary, let's go on to that next slide. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When their parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Now, I've got to ask you, why is this passage in the Bible? Who's Simeon? Who cares? But I also have to uh, remind us that there was a priest officiating with the sacrifice with Mary and Joseph. Why wasn't the revelation that Simeon is going to share, the prophecy going to share, given to that priest? And, and by the way, where's the high priest? The high priest over the whole religious system in Israel. Where is he? Why is an ordinary man who's being under the influence of the Holy Spirit chosen to encourage this young family of Mary and Joseph? The reason he's chosen is because he's walking in the Spirit. He's obeying God. He's given his heart to him. He's entrusted himself to him. He's saying, Oh God, whatever you want, I will do. Let's look at a passage of Scripture just to kind of open that up for us a little bit. If you'd look in your Bibles, we're going to go to Galatians 5. This is on page 810. Galatians 5. We're going to look at verse 16. Galatians 5, verse 16. In your Bibles, it's on page 810. So I say, live by the Spirit. Well, that's clear enough for me. If I want to have peace, I live by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature, the flesh that I am, desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And the Spirit, what is contrary to the sinful nature or to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. You see why Simeon was unique? He didn't do what Simeon wanted. He did what God wanted. He kept entrusting himself to him. He kept following what he was instructed to do. And so out of thousands of people, I mean, imagine this. You're in this huge temple facility there are thousands of people milling around, doing their sacrifices. In obedience, Simeon is there and he's listening. And he's waiting. And he senses the direction. And of all the people who had brought babies to dedicate, baby boys to dedicate there at the temple, he finds the one. How did he do that? 
How did he do that without the inspiration of the Holy Spirit directing him? Now, what does that look like? What does that inspiration by the Holy Spirit look like? And I, I just wanted to give you three suggestions on that. The first one is kind of what have I experienced this week. Uh, I was having some difficulty with a colleague who was being nasty, nasty. And he kept giving it to me, just kind of right in my face. And I was like, man, <sighs> okay. And I, I thought, I'm going to be gentle, going to be kind. I'm going to let it slide off my back. I think that's what the scriptures would teach. And so in his, the face of his nastiness, it was gentle. It was kind, but it was getting to me. And I thought, okay, God, maybe it's time for me to stand up for myself and tell him what I really think. And so I was getting ready for this message Tuesday morning. I had gotten up early, and I was looking at it. And I thought, okay, I'm looking at this particular passage, and I wanted to see the context. So I read the verse before it, and the verse before it said, Let your gentleness be seen by all men. The Holy Spirit had pointed out that particular passage to the very question that was going on in my heart. He does that so often. And doesn't that line up nicely with the first point that I made is obey the scriptures, know the scriptures, because so often that, and memorize the scriptures, because then that's when the Holy Spirit is bringing that instruction to us. He'll bring a verse that, wow, I hadn't thought of that in a long time, and boom, there it is. Ah, because he recognized the questions that were going on in my heart, and now there's his influence. Another way of following the Holy Spirit is, for me, I get it right about here. It's a sense, it's a, it's a prompting, it's a, it's a leading. And there are moments when I'm like, wow, Lord, I, that wasn't my thought. That seems like your thought. And I need to check it. Does it conform to Scripture? Is it the fruit of the Spirit in the sense of is it love, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, goodness, self-control, and faithfulness in there? Those nine things, is it there? And if it conforms with that, then I know, ah, okay, this is the right thing. And if it's a decision that I'm going to make over a period of time, I take it for a few days and I say, Holy Spirit, are you saying to me, yes, I should say yes to this decision? And then I go for a couple days saying, Holy Spirit, are you saying no, no to this decision? And the one that gives me the most peace, oh, trusting him, that as I entrust myself to him, he will keep me from going astray. The peace of God is for those who obey his word. The peace of God is for those who listen, live in his Holy Spirit. And the third and final, the peace of God it's going to have some challenges. It's going to have some challenges. Let's look at Simeon's prophecy, Gary. Next slide. Nope, go on. We want to go down to the, the very last uh, section of Luke 2. Good. So Simeon took the baby in his arms, and he praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory for your people Israel. Child's father and mother were amazed. Why? 
Why were they amazed? Because of that statement, a light for revelation to the non-Jews. They were, what? We don't associate with those people. We've been always instructed to stay away from the non-Jews. How is this child going to be a revelation to the non-Jews? This is astounding. Unbelievable. Let's go on. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. I want to talk about two ideas from this. First is revelation and then rejection. And I think I'll start with rejection. This passage, if you'll notice, it's kind of a mix of two prophecies. The first statement, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. And then go to verse 35, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. That's one in three. Okay, And then two and four, and he's to be a sign that will be spoken against. And a sword will pierce your own soul too, Mary. And so what was going to happen is, is Jesus was going to be rejected by his nation. And Mary wasn't expecting this. Mary was like, we have been looking forward to the Messiah's coming. We were going to embrace him. We were going to love him. We were going to follow him in victory over all our enemies. Of course he's going to be beloved. Of course he's going to be received. And what Simeon is preparing for him for is, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. His truth, his light will affect the heart's of those religious leaders to the point where they say, I don't want to follow him. I want to follow me. So their intent was to put him to death. And he would be a sign to be spoken against. Mary thought that he would be received so well, and when she found him speaking against the the Pharisees, the religious leaders... In his own synagogue in Nazareth, Troy talked about a few weeks ago, he spoke to the crowd. The crowd, the Israelites from Nazareth, were ready to throw him off a cliff because he was speaking about how God had met Gentiles, non-Jews, and left Jews who were taking faith in their own religiousness, their own righteousness, as opposed to faith in him and so rejection was coming and part of that rejection comes revelation revelation in which way well revelation is a light to the gentiles we don't deserve to know who god is and yet he was coming as a way to show us god that jesus was going to introduce us to god himself that we could have a relationship with him but the other thing is is once we have a relationship with jesus you know what he does he comes to our heart and he says, um, I'd like to reveal something in your heart that isn't really good. And what I love about him is he doesn't come with a big stick. But what I hate is he comes. And he comes in gentleness and tenderness and he puts his finger ah, 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 on that sore spot. And it makes me want to run away. And sometimes I do. I say, Thanks, Jesus. I'm not interested in talking about that right now. 
I'm out of here. And he gently brings me back, gently brings me back, and puts his finger on that area. And you know what disappears when he puts his finger on that area? My peace. When I'm ready to talk with him and submit that area, his sense of peace overcomes me. And I'm ready to give it up and say, okay, Lord, I'm sorry. I've been very arrogant in this situation. I've broken that relationship with that friend. I've not, uh, I've not been careful with what my eyes are looking at. God, I, Jesus, I, I repent. And then from his revelation, he takes it away. Covers it with his blood. And peace comes. Peace comes. So three big ideas. Obey God's word. Walk in the Holy Spirit. Be ready for challenges. Because this time of the Christmas season, when it's so busy, you're going to feel that your peace being taken away. Get into Jesus. Spend time with him. Tell him over and over again, Lord, my peace, I can't, I'm afraid, I'm, I'm concerned. I entrust myself to you. Walk me through this. And I can't finish this message without having you look with me at one last verse. John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 27. It's on page 750. So page 750 in your Bible, John 14, verse 27. Peace, Jesus says. He's on his way to the cross. He's giving his last instruction to the disciples. Peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give you. And I give it freely. And I give it wholeheartedly. And I want you to have it. I'm not holding it back from you. I want you to have my peace. I did not give to you as the world gives. You know how much peace there is in this world? Zero. Our peace is only found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. It might be the Christmas season. There might be some challenges coming. There might be some circumstances that seem overwhelming for you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Obey God's word. Walk in his spirit. And those challenges might just be opportunities that Jesus is using to work on the areas in your heart that still need work. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for your peace. Thank you that your peace does surpass. We, we just can't understand it. It's so profound. We love you for it. We thank you for it. Bless you for that peace. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would render your peace even now to my brothers and sisters, especially for those who are grieving, those who are suffering, those who are so afraid. Lord, I pray that you would walk with them now, that you would help them to open their heart to you, that they would sense your presence and your peace. 
Oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have heard us, and we thank you that you willingly give peace to us. It's not something that you withhold. It's something you want to give freely. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for hearing us now. Thank you for being our our great King and Lord. And thank you for coming on our behalf. We celebrate you in this season because you've come. Bless you, Lord Jesus. And it's in your name we pray.